Well, if you didn't have peace when you came in here this morning, you have certainly made contact with it now. If you haven't, I am at a loss. <laughs> right. Because it is in here. But I'm going to ask Nathan to come and interrupt that piece. Oh, come on. I know as hard as that is for him. Man, I feel the tenderness in here. Thank you. I know I make mention of that a lot, but... Most people living in this planet, in our city, in our little towns, have never felt for an instant what it is that we feel like right, right now. Amen. Amen. The sad part is I can't even say the last time they felt that was when they were a baby because so many people in today's world don't even get that when they're a baby. They don't have the security that it used to be just automatic that children were going to have when they were brought into this world. They lived their whole life, even as children, with no tenderness. And all we got to do is come in here and say, Jesus, we're here for you. And we want to worship you. Tenderness just fills the room like water in a jar. Just pours it in. Man. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Lord. Lord, move into that theater. Yes, Lord, they, they don't know. Lord, if they knew, they would choose here. Yes. But they don't know. Visit that tenderness we feel. Speak their names, God. Draw them, Lord, that they would know you like we do. Let this tenderness spill into that theater today, Father. Lord. Master Nathan, we pray with our prayers. Lord Jesus, we just come to you today, Thank Lord you, God, God, thanking you for a free place to gather, Lord Jesus. Where, where we can feel that peace, Lord yes. God. And Lord Jesus, you can speak to us, Lord God, and Jesus. tell us what you would want us to do, Lord God. And now, Lord Jesus, I ask that you watch over the folks on the prayer list, Lord God, that you will touch them in whatever need that, that they might need, Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, now I pray over this offering, Lord God, that you would take it to the good of your kingdom, Lord God, and bless, bless those that do give, Lord Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Yes, amen. Okay, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take a, a two-week hiatus. and wait for a month to use that word. We're going to take a break for two weeks mm -hmm. from our series on lessons from the life of um, Not because there aren't plenty more lives to take lessons from. That's something that I'm pretty excited to talk about. But because God has given me a first, He dealt with me all week long about next Sunday's message. And I knew it was for next Sunday. But He didn't bother to give me anything for this Sunday. And I've learned over the years, there's been times, man, I'll be out preaching revival somewhere. And it'll be 
the first night of the revival service, it would be that day, and I'm driving to that city, and God still ain't told me what to preach. And back down the road, man, I'd have been a basket case, boy. I've been trying to come up with all these things. Now, I just chill because it's like, you know what? I've done everything I know to do, just like how I try to teach you guys. I've done my due diligence. I've done my part. Sorry, what nothing else I could do. God knows. Okay, Lord, I'm just I'm going. <laughs> Help me when I get there. Amen. And He does. I don't panic about it no more. And it was funny because it was the same way with this one. And I was like, Why would you deal with me all day for four days about a word and then tell me, Oh, that's not for Sunday? It's like, Okay, well, what is? <laughs> and then you know, it's easy too after you've been in it for a while. You can slap something together. You just can after you, after you, especially when you've been reading the Bible for 30 years. You can. I don't like to do that. I don't do that. That's against my my policy. I just now not to say that you can't take anything from the Bible. And you've heard me say this before. You can open that Bible anywhere you want to open it, and if you can share it in a way and communicate it in a way where people can understand, and then explain to them how to take it home and apply it. There's nothing in this book you can't share with somebody. It's not going to help them. So every time a preacher gets in a pulpit, it isn't fire from heaven falling on the altar. It's not. We've got fire from heaven in between the books of this page or in between the pages of this book right here. Uh, But having said that, it it was cool because I was reading through the Scripture this morning and Kitty told me yesterday, she likes to ask me, I think because she gets a kick out of it sometimes, honestly. So say, you know what you're preaching yet? And I'll tell her no. And then she just kind of giggles sometimes, just kind of grin. Then yesterday she's like, well, maybe that's because God's just going to take the whole thing home. And I said, yeah, that could be it. I said, that'd be awesome, man. I ain't got a problem with that, you know. And then there's sometimes she'll, she'll get a kick out of it because she's like, boy, this could be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> this morning we were sitting on the couch together, and uh, I was just reading through Scripture. And she goes, uh, get anything yet? She's learned how it works over the years, you know. And I told her, no. I said, but I ain't trying to. You know? And it was cool because I was sitting there next to her, and we were just chilling, had most of the stuff done we were supposed to get done today. And we were just chilling and relaxing. And I'm reading through the Bible, and then God just unfolds this really cool lesson to me today. And I was like, oh, boy. And then he even gave me a, a prop. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can you believe I got a prop? <laughs> this is going to be super cool. A demonstration, folks. It, it, no, don't worry, pyrotechnics are not involved. <laughs> I know Nathan's disappointed. Right. We're not going to blow nothing up today. But we are going to talk about God's plumb line. And we're going to be in the book of Amos where, young Master Nathan, you are already there. Yes. See what I did for you? But I did notice that this Bible, which must be different from the one you've been bringing to the midweek Bible study on the first parts of the Bible, right? Yeah. Whatever book I tell you when we're in a Bible study we're going to be in, just find it here and it'll tell you what page. See? And then you go see the page number up here? So like this Wednesday when we're at the Russell Chapel, if I tell you the book of James, don't go looking all through the Bible. Just turn right here. Find James. And then go, whoop, 1972, right? And you just keep turning until you get to that page number. All right. Cool? Yeah. Well, we're in there, dude. We're in like Flynn. You look like a Bible scholar. We're going to talk about God's plumb line today. 
Uh, or Pernier, but not Plum. Never thought I'd hear that in the title. We're going to be in Amos chapter number six. <clears throat> Amos chapter number six. I've heard this one, you guys, you all probably heard this several different times yourselves. Uh, usually used to get all over the people of God. Uh, we're going to go a different direction today. Amos 6 and 1. Uh, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. So this is talking about people that got it made and they're in Zion. They're in the capital of the religious world. And they're at ease. They got it made. There's no strain in their life. There's no stress. There's none of what Stacy was talking about. They're not being tested, uh, allowed to try out any new things in their character that they've asked God to give them. They have got it made. They are at ease. And they trust in the mountain of Samaria, which means they look at this mountain and they say, because we are the people that live here, we got it made. We are the people of God. They trust in who they are, who their nation is, what their background is. And it's a reflection of the way it can be in the Christian world today, especially, I might say, the way it can be among Jesus' name baptized, Holy Ghost filled, Acts 2.38 people. We can be the kind of people that put all our trust in the fact that I know Acts 2.38. I've been baptized in the name of Jesus. I've got the Holy Ghost. I know there's only one God and Jesus is His name. I know you got to be born again of the water and the Spirit and I've done it or I'm on my way to getting it done. And we can put all our confidence in that and then just chill. Just be completely at ease. And this is the people that God is having the preacher talk to. Woe to them that are at ease in this religious capital that trust in who they are and their heritage. See, they don't actually trust in the physical mountain of Samaria. That physical mountain of Samaria, if you will remember uh, the lady at the well, when Jesus met her at the well, she started having a religious debate with them over doctrine and said, you all say you have to be in Jerusalem, but you know we worship in that mountain. So that's what this is, is talking about right here, is that they take their confidence in their religious heritage, but they are at ease. So they're chilling, and they take their confidence in their religious heritage. And uh, verse number two, Pass ye unto Calneth and see, and from there go ye to Hamath the Great, go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms, or their border greater than your border? Is anybody anywhere any better off than you are? Can you go anywhere and find anybody that's doing any better than you are? So these people of God, they are blessed. They've got it made in every area of need that there is to have made. And then you know what it is when we've got a need missing in our life. When there's one great need, uh, like, like for me uh, a little bit lately, you know, I've had a physical need in my life, a new one. So uh, one of the things that's been on my mind is uh, focusing on that physical need, right? It's been something that's been on my mind that wasn't on my mind before because it's a need. 
So when we have a need that's not been met, we focus on acquiring and fulfilling that need. We focus on asking God to meet that need. Like the children of Israel, before they went into the promised land, they didn't have any houses, they didn't have any wells that were dug, they had to dig all their wells and God would provide the water. They didn't have a means to provide their own food. When they get up in the morning, the manna was on the ground. But then, before they went into the promised land, God spoke to them and said, now look, you beware because you might, when you go into this land and get homes you didn't build and wells you didn't dig, you might, once you are full and have no more needs, you might forget me. So these people right here are people that don't have any more needs. So you know what we do as humans when we have all our needs met, you know what we begin to acquire then? Our wants. You with me? See, when you got some needs that ain't met, when you ain't got a roof over your head, you ain't worried about that nicer car. You're not worried about that uh, that trip you want to take. You're not worried about upgrading this or upgrading upgrading nothing. You're trying to get a roof over your head. You're not worried about wants. You're worried about a need. So then you do everything you can do and you focus on getting those needs met and you focus all your prayer to God, most of it. Lord, I need a roof over my head. You're not praying to God, Lord, help me to keep my lawnmower tire from deflating before I got to mow again. You ain't worried about that. Lord, I need a roof over my head. And then when those needs get met, there's a time where you just go, oh, thank you, Lord. But then when we look around and we don't see any more needs, when there's plenty of food, when there's a good roof over our head, when we've got a vehicle that gets us down the road where we need to go, when all of our needs are met, then we begin to look around and then we start to have some wants. And there ain't nothing wrong with wants as long as we don't put wants above God, as long as our wants don't pull us away from God. In other words, I might want uh, a new uh, a new PlayStation 15. I, I have no idea what do they even make PlayStation anymore. I have no idea. A new PlayStation 15. Well, there might not be anything wrong with me getting a PlayStation 15, but if I get on that PlayStation 15 and in the morning when I get up and I get up real early and I go out in the kitchen and I'm no longer making my coffee and sitting at the table and opening that window so I can watch God's sun come over the mountain in Blumville and I'm not talking to God in the morning because I'm in the living room on that PlayStation I wanted, then it becomes a problem. So this is the situation these people are in. God says, look all around you. Go anywhere you want to go and see if you can find somebody doing better than you are. Pretty good reflection of the American church today. Now look, we're blessed people. There ain't nothing wrong with us being blessed. I'm glad we're blessed. We should be blessed. As as an under-shepherd, it is a time of luxury for me when the people of God have no major needs in their life. You know why? Because I get to sit back and instead of petitioning God continually, Lord, please meet the Wells' need today. Or Lord, please meet that need that the Russells have. Or Lord, please meet the need the Renters have today, right? In a time where there ain't any of those, I can sit back and I can say, Lord, thank you that you've met the Russells' need, that you've met the Wells' need, that you've met the Rapiers' need. Lord, thank you that your people are blessed today. Amen. That's a much more relaxed Amen. time in your walk with God. When all the needs have been met. Hmm. But we have to be careful in those times. Now, now, watch what he says to him. He goes, go anywhere you want to go. 
So you didn't find anybody any more blessed than you are. And verse number three, ye that put far away the evil day and caused the seed of violence to come near, put far away the evil. Now that don't make no sense when you hear it on the surface. If I put the evil day far away, how does that bring the seed of violence close? Because it sounds to me like the seed of violence is evil. So if I put the evil way over there, how is the seed of violence coming way over here where I'm at? It's not a literal putting that evil day away. These are people that got it made so good and they're so chilled and so relaxed and so confident in their heritage that they're sitting back and they're thinking God's day of judgment is way off over there. I'm good. The evil day is somewhere down the road. And even if it happens, man, I'm out of here. God's got me covered. And what that happens is when you got a group of people that aren't praying, that aren't praying the way they need to, that aren't praying, Lord, I'm good, but I got some children that ain't ready yet. Lord, I'm good, but I got some family that ain't ready yet. Lord, I'm good, but I got some friends that ain't ready yet. When we put all our confidence in where we are and forget somebody else might not be mm. where they need to be with God, then we stop praying, Lord, wait a little bit longer, sweet yeah. Jesus. Don't come today. I'm ready, but I got some people I love that ain't. So what happens is, the people of God, our guard goes down. We don't pray hedges the way we need to. Mm -hmm. We don't pray mercy the way we need to. We don't rebuke the devourer the way we need to. We don't call out the punk devil we need yeah. to. So that seed of violence, it comes right up in our communities, much like it is today. Help us. Didn't nobody pray off the demon of, of child abuse? That seed of violence is in the public schools. It's in the government. Yeah. It's everywhere you want to look. I can't even start talking about that. Or I'll just mangle this message and go somewhere else today. Whew. I'm going to save that. That would be part of something Let's next week. The seed of violence comes near because we put the evil day up. Like, it ain't no big deal. I'm ready anyway. Who cares when he comes? I'm going to go from here and go to heaven. It's all right in my house. And the seed of violence comes in because we don't pray as a people who are on the war path. We pray as a people who got it made in the shade. Come on, sweet Jesus, I'm ready. God. So that seed of violence comes near. And look at how he describes the people of God here in that day. They lie upon beds of ivory. What? That ain't no rollout bed. Comes underneath the old bunk bed right there, son. That ain't a fold-out couch that was bought at Habitat for Humanity. Me and Kitty bought it. When we moved in that little trailer of ours, man, we picked that thing up on the way out there. We didn't even have a bed. We got out there and lugged that thing through the front door. There wasn't nothing in that trailer. Me and Kitty walked through that thing after they gave us a key and left. We, yeah! We, we felt like we were the king and queen of Sheba, man. That's right. We really did. And it felt like we were laying on an ivory bed. Mm. We felt like we had it made in the shade. We, we did. But these people right here, look, there ain't nothing wrong with having luxury. But how, how, how bored with your money do you have to be? Go out and spend money to upgrade your bed from a regular steel bed, which it's just the frame of the bed. You understand? You can never go to sleep on. Well, I could. I could sleep like a like a bum on a park bench. I've had. I've been a bum on a park bench, and I slept just fine in the middle of the day. I've had that cop come by and say, "Hey, get up! You can't sleep here." And I thought I was. It ain't saying the bed was made of ivory. They had a mattress. It's saying the frame was made of ivory. Was there really nobody in their community that needed help? Mm. 
Was there really no hungry? Oh, there wasn't in the church they were in. Come now. on now. But there had to be somebody in that community that wasn't in the church yeah. that was without groceries or didn't have a roof over their head mm -hmm. or didn't have any clothes to wear or didn't have formula for their babies. But instead of looking around and saying, I got everything I need and even more, let me see if I can help somebody. These people said, you know what? I've seen that new ivory bed down there at whatever. Tonight. I can't think of a furniture store. Somebody help me. Goodwill. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my furniture That's store, my baby. favorite one. That's right. <laughs> uh, I see them new ivory beds down there at Goodwill. I think that'd look nice in our bedroom. That'd match anything. And instead of looking around for something, you all with me today you understand where I'm coming from? There ain't nothing wrong with being blessed, man. Especially when you, when, when, you, when, you, when you are a, a faithful tither to God and a faithful offer to God and you serve God with all your heart, you're, you're promised by God that you will be blessed. Amen. So there ain't nothing wrong with being blessed. We should be blessed. Right. But we also need to make sure we never fit the description given to us here of these people of God. We put all our confidence in our heritage and where we are and, and what we know and, and that we get to the place where you know we're we're swapping in the metal bed frame for the ivory one and, and we're at ease and laying on that bed of ivory, stretching themselves upon their couches. Now that stretching upon their couches makes you think that they're just kicked back like this, right? Well they are, but the kind of gross thing about this is when you study this verse out, what the stretching out on their couches really means is the thing that was getting stretched out wasn't their body lengthwise, it was their tummy widthwise. So they're sitting back on these couches, and if you can picture the old Greek days when somebody had fan them and someone else feeding them with grapes, I mean, these guys got it made in the shade. They ain't doing nothing but feeding their flesh. They stretch themselves out on their couches, eat the lambs out of the flock, calves out of the midst of the stall. I mean, they got it made. They got first pick. This is what you call living high on the hog. It's the best cut of the best cut. And this is the way all the people of God here are living. And again, now I'm reminding you of this because we're going to get to it in a minute. It's okay to be blessed. Right. They even chant to the sound of the vial. Invent to themselves instruments of music like David. See, these people had a religion. I mean, they're not contented chant to the sound of the guitar during worship. They're inventing instruments. I mean, you really got to be into worship, man, and into music to say, you know what? I bet if I just if I shorten that neck on the guitar a little bit and turn that baby around and put it flat, I bet, well, man, we'd have us a little steel guitar right there, wouldn't we? Or a little slide guitar. I mean, you really got to be into what you're doing. So you understand these people had a passion for the things of their religion, but they had a problem. God points out all the extra stuff they had. That didn't get them in as much trouble as what they did not have that they should have had. Watch this. They drank wine in bowls, anoint themselves. Boy, I'm going to preach that message one day all by itself. <laughs> they anoint themselves with the yes. chief ointments. I mean, they got it made, but... But... They are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Joseph's their brother. We'll just leave it on that layer right there. The most superficial, easiest layer to address this. Joseph is their brother. A tribe of the people of God. And here we've got some people of God. They're living high on the hall, got ivory bread, stretching on the couch, fed grapes, got a palm leaf, fan them in his son, Nathan. 
think they're doing the worship. They love their worship. They're even inventing instruments looking back to their father, David. But they don't see their brother. And it ain't that they don't see their brother. It's just that they've learned not to see their brother. So they see the afflictions of a brother and they go to bed at night on an ivory bed. They see the afflictions of their brother and during the day they stretch out on the couch and eat grapes. They see the afflictions of their brother all the way around them and they jam out during worship service and even bring in some new instruments. Hey, guess what? I spent 12 hours on this past week. I made myself a new this thing. Twelve hours they could have helped their brother with his affliction. So we need to be mindful that there's nothing wrong with it. I've said that probably twelve times already. I think you got that. There's nothing wrong with us being blessed. We should be. But we gotta make sure we don't get wrapped up in our blessings. You know there's a scripture says that, that you can't please a, a that you can't be a good soldier if you entangle yourself in the affairs of the world. Mm-hmm. You can get so tangled up in your blessings that your hands are all tangled up and you never have time to do anything for uh-huh. anybody else. Yeah. That your feet are all tangled up and you never have time to go anywhere to help anybody else. That you're all tangled up that you can't even see your brother's affliction. And that's where these people were today. We just have to guard against that because I'm telling you, we, our little bitty church family right here is blessed beyond measure. Yeah. Right. We just have to guard against this as a people. So the church is blessed, but they got no burden for the spiritual. They don't ward off the destroyer because the seat of violence is right in their neighborhood, but it ain't in their house, so they don't care. I don't have kids in public school, so I don't care what they do down there. Mm. The church is blessed, but it has no burden for the spiritual. Same book, chapter 7. Now, all through the rest of chapter 6, God tells what He's going to do to those people. So we get to chapter 7, verse number 1. And in this chapter, God wants to bring judgment that they deserve. But they got a man of God who don't want the people of God to get what they deserve. Thank God for somebody like that in my life. Thank God for somebody in my life that prays every day and says, Lord, have mercy on that Pickle with the warts. Have mercy on that knucklehead. Have patience with him. Keep working with him. Lord, you know he's trying. I mean, it looks to me like he is. We get first verse 7. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me. And here's a preacher talking. God showed me what he's getting ready to do to these people. He formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth. He's talking about the harvest. These people have put the put the seed in, they've tilled the land, and this is what they're going to eat over the winter. This is their groceries. This is their Walmart. God has formed grasshoppers in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth, and lo, it was the latter growth after the king's mowing. And it came to pass that when the grasshoppers made an end of eating the grass of the land, see, he showed the preacher this. He didn't really do it yet. He just showed the preacher what was coming. I want to tell you something. It is a miserable thing. It is a miserable thing 
To be a minister, a servant to people, and to know they're making a decision that is going to cost them something. Because God doesn't necessarily give you pictures and visions like He did Amos. But we got a Bible like Amos didn't. Come on. So when someone makes a decision that takes them out of what the Bible says they ought to do in a situation, it showed to us right here what's going to happen when a bad decision is made. And that is miserable. It's miserable to know that someone's headed right to the edge of a cliff and you've told them and they're still going to head for the cliff. So you do what Amos did. God shows it to Amos. And it came to pass when they were finished eating the grass of the land in this vision. I said, oh God, please forgive. Please forgive them. Because by whom shall Jacob arise? He's small. In other words, he's not going to get over this, God. I know he deserves this. See, this is the people that God just described laying on the beds of ivory, having a maiden shade and not caring about their brother. And God said, all right, I got a judgment coming for them. I know how to get these people's attention. They're eating the grapes in the middle of the day. I'm going to have the grasshoppers come and wipe out their harvest so they got nothing to eat all winter long. I guarantee they're going to know what affliction feels like then. And then the Amos, the man of God, steps in and says, I know they deserve that, God, but please don't do that. I don't know if they will recover. Thank God. Thank God for people like that. <laughs> Thank God for people that will pray for you and say, I know he did it to himself, God. I know he knows better than that, God. But please don't do it. Don't give him what he deserves. I don't know if he'll get over it. We got to love each other that much. We got to love each other that much. Kitty goes and does it anyway. And we, we, she's done it before and we've seen her life go a little sideways when she does it. But then she comes back and, well, you know what? I'm just going to use the example I've been giving today. Spud, listening to music he ain't supposed to be listening to. Got no excuse. He knows better. Just like these people right here, God's got every right to send the grasshoppers in Spud's life and wipe out any harvest he's got coming. God's got a right to cause her to be a problem in his friendship with Brian and take that thing away. Yep. He's got a right to do that. Yep. But thank God for a mom and a dad. Uh -huh. And another mom and another mom. And an under-shepherd. They'll step in there and say, Lord, I don't know. I've heard Spud repent of this 15 times. And I know he deserves it. Maybe getting a little uh, skin to nose will teach him a lesson, Lord. But instead of doing that, we don't do that. We ask God to give him the same mercy we would want in that situation. Amen. And we say, Father, please, Lord, Amen. don't give Spud what he deserves. Lord, give him a chance one more time to get it right. Right. And that's the way we have to be with each other. Amen. We need to give the same mercy we would want. This man of God steps in and says, I don't know if he'll recover. Then look what happened. The Lord repented. Now, he hadn't sinned and done nothing wrong. You know what that word repent means? It means turns around head the other way. So God's heading right for these people that deserve a judgment. They got it coming, Jimmy. Jimmy. 
And he's headed right for it. And because one man of God steps in the middle. You know that's a definition of interceding? Amen. That's the definition of standing in the gap. There's a gap between where they need to be and where God is. And God is bringing judgment to them. And somebody that loves them and loves that God says, I'm not going to stand back and watch this happen. I'm going to get right in the middle and stand in front of God. And if He slays me, I guess He slays me. But that's my brother and I love Him. Lord, please don't bring this judgment. And then God... A God who is ready to bring judgment to a people who wouldn't see their brother's trouble. Sees one of those brothers those people wouldn't see. This is their brother. This is one of the brothers that had the affliction they didn't care about. He didn't say, boy, I've been waiting for this to happen. This will bring them off their high horse. I remember when I had an affliction. They didn't help me. Maybe this will get them right. He didn't do that. He said, that's my brother. That's my God. And I might be able to help this a little bit. And because he got in the middle, God, who was getting ready to bring judgment to a people who didn't care about nobody else, saw somebody get in the middle that cared about everybody else and said, that's exactly what I'm looking for in all these other people. I need to respond to this. And he takes a judgment they deserved. They had it coming, Spud. And he turns right around and takes that judgment out of the picture. It's gone. It ain't going to happen. Oh, because one person, Lord repented, said, It shall not be. Thus hath the Lord God showed me. Look at this now. God said, All right, I'm getting the grasshoppers out of here, but man, them people are really making me mad. Behold, the Lord God called to contend by fire. Now God gave him another version. He said, all right, you wouldn't let me use grasshoppers. I'm going to bring fire and devour the great deep and, and, and eat up a part. Then I said, Lord God, cease, I beg you. By whom shall Jacob arise? For he's small. Lord, don't bring the fire either. Please don't do that. I don't know if he'll recover from that. Then the Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, saith the Lord God. I'm reminded of Abraham standing with God while the angels were headed for Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham bargaining with God. Uh And he starts with 50. And he gets all the way down to 10 and he says, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord God. Please don't be mad at me. I know I don't have a right to talk to you about anything, but if there's only 10, will you spare the whole city? And God said, yes, if there's 10. So this has happened before. So it brings a fire and the preacher steps in. No, please don't do that, God. In verse 8, the Lord repented for this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. And then thus he showed me. God said, All right, can't bring the grasshoppers. Won't let me bring the fire. Watch this. Here's what I'm going to do. He showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall by a plumb line with the plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. 
Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people. I will not again pass by them anymore. God said, All right, then I won't bring the grasshopper. I won't bring the fire. I won't bring no judgment, but here's what I'm going to do. Now what a plumb line is, a plumb line is just a piece of string with some kind of weight on the bottom. That's all it is. It can be a socket. Me and Jimmy needed last Tuesday when I wasn't looking for it today. By golly, I found it this morning. No. <laughs> there it is. It wasn't nowhere to be had last Tuesday. It was 90 degrees and we were in that truck. By golly, I'm looking for something to make a plumb line with this morning. The first thing in the top of the toolbox. All it's got to be is a little weight. And all it's for is no matter where you are, because of gravity that God made, when you put a weight on the bottom of the string and it stops swinging from side to side, I love this phrase, it makes a true vertical. Mm -hmm. yep. Now notice what God did. God got up on a wall that somebody else made with their plumb line, but God's got another plumb line in His hand. The reason He's got another plumb line in His hand is because whoever made the first law didn't use a plumb line that was true. See, the thing about this plumb line, we can look at this whiteboard and think that thing's level. Lori's probably already decided that the first day we was here. <laughs> she probably really has, I guarantee. If that thing was off on left or right, Lori would have noticed it already. Now this thing could be vertical in our eyeballs and we'd have no way of knowing it. It just looked like it was level. It was a true vertical. But if you hold a plumb line up there and you get it to stop, which I can't appear to, I'm a little hyper. If you hold that plumb line up and hold that line right next to it and put it right on the edge, it'll tell you whether that thing is truly vertical or not. Whoo, somebody got that one right. Now, if that thing was not on there vertical, this is a true vertical, and it would show that though to the eye that thing looked vertical, it really is not. Right. And you don't know sometimes unless you have a true vertical. So what God did was get on this wall the people had already made, and He set His plumb line up there. And He said, all right, I ain't going to bring no judgment. I'm going to put a plumb line out in the middle of all my people. And I will not come back here with judgment anymore. Why? Because with that plumb line from God, a true vertical, hanging right down from that wall, it was going to be easy for anybody walking by that wall to know whether that wall was true vertical or not. They would know by looking whether that wall had been built straight up and down or not. If this was made of bricks right now, we could hold it against that middle line between the bricks. And if this plumb line was straight and that line between the bricks was a little bit off, we would know this wall was not a true vertical. Now, you say, why in the world does that matter? Because 
Everybody passing by that wall in the middle of the people of God now had a true vertical to judge the wall that they had built as their own and to see if that thing was true and right and on a sure foundation or not. And it was obvious that it was not. Now here's the problem. We know our foundation is Jesus Christ. The New Testament teaches us that. Mm. It's just no other foundation can anybody lay other than the foundation that is laid, Jesus Christ. Yes. And it says you can build on there with precious stones. You can build on there with wood, hay, or stubble. And a fire will come and it will burn that stuff. And you will find out what you had been building with. And it may build, burn up everything you built on top of that foundation. But if your foundation is right, it's still going to be there. And the Bible teaches in that section of Scripture that that fire can save us. The reason it can save us is because if I'm building my house on wood, hair, stubble and a fire can burn it down, I want to know that before the fire comes and I'm inside that house or my children are in that house or my grandchildren are in that house. So if God burns that wood, hay, and stubble up, I'm going to be upset I put all that work in there and now it's gone. But now I've got a chance to build on that foundation the right way so when the fires of life do come it won't burn my house down the next time with me or anybody I love inside of it the problem is when God sets a plumb line and it becomes obvious that stuff has been built crooked on it people that have been building that all that time have a decision to make now you know how much humility it would take for somebody that's been building on the right foundation but got it a little crooked, to have God's plumb line show you something wasn't built right, now you've got to step back and you got to say, okay, folks, you know I've been trying the best I can, but we got some of this stuff we need to get better and it ain't lining up the way it needs to line up, so we're going to have to tear that down and rebuild it the right way. That takes a lot of humility. That takes remembering the church ain't ours, it's God's. It's God's Amen. bride. Amen. And we got to get it right. Yeah. Why would God set the plumb line in the middle of God's people? Why would God say, I'm not going to bring no more judgment here, I'm going to set a plumb line? Because anybody in the people of God now can look at that plumb line and not just see whether that wall was built right, but see if they line up with that plumb line. <laughs> That plumb line is in the middle of God's people. And what God told Amos is, I'm going to withhold judgment, but ain't nobody that comes to see me when their life down here is over going to have an excuse anymore. Because I put a plumb line right in the middle of all of them to make it obvious whether or not they lined up with it. Say, well, what is God's says God given us plumb yep yes he has God's plumb line is this Amen. word right Amen. 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 See, because our eye can deceive us. 
We can look at something and think it's all right. We can look at something and think, man, I know that's built right over there. I know this church right here is right because they got this, they got this, they got this. That happens, that happens, that happens. But if we don't take out God's Word and use God's Word as the true vertical and as the plumb line, we're going to be in big trouble and we can be deceived. Uh See, we've got a plumb line. This Bible is God's plumb line. That means we can hold this book up and examine anything, anybody, any church, any ministry, any brother, any sister, any government, Mm -hmm. any country, any policy. We can examine it by God's plumb line. And if it don't line up with this true north, this true vertical right here, it ain't going to make it. And if we get in line with something that don't line up with God's plumb line, when we meet God, we will have no excuse. Yeah. What did Jesus Himself say? In John 12 and 48, He said, The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge us in the end. Yeah. Well, what is that? It's this right here. We have a plumb line. We have to examine everything and everybody, starting with ourselves, Mm -hmm. by this word right here. You have a loop on your Bible case. I'm going to ask you to tie the end of that on the loop on your Bible case. Nathan, I got a little trick for yours. He's got a Bible case coming, matter of fact. Glad you said that. (laughs) Well, he would have had two of them. Thing about giving that for his birthday. <laughs> I don't have to give him nothing. When <laughs> you pick this up, just hold it just like that, okay? So that's your true vertical. That is your true vertical. It's short. So am I. It's my size. <laughs> Fun size. Once you get it tied, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Thank 
bit of like fit of something on the motor or something. It might. <laughs> I, I guarantee it does. Right, once you get it tied on, I'm gonna ask you to hold your Bible up. Let that plumb line hang. That book you have in your hand, that is your plumb line. That will give you a true vertical for your marriage. That will give you a true vertical for your children, for your grandchildren, for your finances, for your family, for your friends, for the way you treat people, for the way you allow people to treat you, for the things that you condone in governments and in communities. That book is your true vertical. Jesus said the word that I have spoken, that's what's going to judge. Amen. When we stand before God, there will be a true vertical. Hallelujah. Hear this, Revelation 20 and 12. I saw the dead, great and small, stand before God. Books were open. Another book opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. We have a plumb line. Don't become so confident in your heritage that you examine or guesstimate where you are in God by your heritage. We know where we are in God by where we are in this book. That's why it's also called the mirror. When you look in this thing, it will show us our true reflection. This is our plumb line. This is the plumb line that dictates behavior in this pulpit from me and everybody else. Hear that? From me and everybody else. Nobody gets to be out of plumb. Because we either follow God's plumb line because pertinent but not plumb is hell. See that old saying, pretty near but not plumb? That means pretty near. That means pretty close, but it ain't quiet. Well, that might work for a chicken coop. Right. Mm -hmm. That might work for something in my garden. But that's not going to work standing in front of God because the books, what were the first books? Books. Every one of these. <laughs> open. And then the book of life. And then the book of works. These first. Why? Because this is a true vertical. Yes, it's the plumb line. Will we get it all right all the time? No. But the good part is, when I look in here and see that that plumb line is out of line, I can swing right back over where I need to be, Nathan. I can come and say, I'm going to get it right this time. I'm not going to listen to any more of that stuff. I'm going to get in God's plumb line. <laughs> this plumb line will carry you through the rest of your days and walk you right into eternity. And then we'll all get to hear Lori say, I'm exactly where I need to be today. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. It's a Holy Ghost building. 
It's a Holy Ghost building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. It's a Holy Ghost building for my Lord, for my Lord. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. It's a plumb line building for my Lord, for my Lord. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building. I'm working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Father. Thank you. I thank you for your people. And I thank you, Lord. Yes, we are blessed. Thank you, God. Lord, I've watched every single one of our families walk through times of great need. Walk through times where it seemed like our entire prayer was filled with nothing but needs. Yes. And I thank you now, Father, that yes, there are some still there, but most of them are needs we're praying for for other people. And we have walked through that season of life where our prayers were filled with nothing but needs. And now, God, we're in a season where our needs have been met. Thank you, God. Where we Thank are blessed, you, where we look on every Thank hand. You, Lord. Where your evidence is all around yes, us, God. Jesus. I thank you for it. Jesus. I pray today, Lord, you would help Jesus. us, God, to, to never forget. Help Jesus. us, Lord, not to Jesus. grow so comfortable in our blessings, so at ease in Zion, God, that, that we would ever shut our ears and close our eyes to the needs of our brother, Father. Help us, God, to never get to the place, Lord, where, where we have everything we need and, and almost everything we want, but, but our mind is still occupied with more things we want rather than beginning to look Jesus, around us, Father, Jesus. and see if there's some way we can help somebody get down the road a little ways, Lord. And I pray today, God, that, Lord, in this time we live in, both in the country and in our the church, Lord, in our country, Father, there are many things that are being pushed as the right way that are nowhere near your plumb line. There are things that are being being passed along as a truth that are nowhere near your plumb line, God. And Father, I ask you, Lord, to help us in this time where it's unpopular not to agree, where it's unpopular to voice a, a dissent, disagreement, another opinion, another angle. I pray, Father, you would help us, God, to hold true to your plumb line, God. Not to look down at anybody that accepts a plumb line that's not vertical, but Father, to present God's plumb line. Jesus. That we would be Jesus. God's plumb line. Jesus. That when they see the way we treat our spouses, that when they hear Lori say, My Travis. That somebody in the world that, that doesn't see it that way would see what God's plumb line Jesus. for marriage and love really is, Jesus. Father. I pray, God, today that you would help us to stand our ground and help us, Father, Lord, not to 
walk too many steps down the road before we examine yes. our building with your plumb yes. line. Because, Father, I know for me it's real easy sometimes just to want to rest, want to stretch out on the couch, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would convict my spirit when those times come. And I would realize, Lord, there is a building I need to be working on, Father. And when I stand in front of you, Lord, it's going to be obvious whether that building has been built with God's plumb line, Lord. I thank You today. I thank You that it don't have to be a mystery. I thank You, God, that we don't have to wonder how to do it. We can pick that book up in the house. We can pick it up in the vehicle going down the road. We can put it on audio, God, and listen to it in our ears and while we're doing chores, Father. And that true vertical, that plumb line of God can sink into our spirit, Father. So I ask You today, Lord, to continue, yes, continue to bless our families. Continue to bless the Russells and the Wells and the Rapiers, Father, and those that we love. But God, in Your blessing, Lord, continue to lead us Continue to guide us. Continue to smite our hearts with the needs of somebody else, Father. And let us never forget that person we don't know. They are our brother. And we are our brother's keeper. Somehow, some way. And they might be heavy, Father. But they're still our brother. So I ask you, God, to be with us this week, Lord. And I pray, Father, Lord, I ask You to look upon Lori's faithfulness and her tithing. And I pray today, God, that that whatever happened to it, Lord, that it would change somebody's life. I ask You, Lord, to let it be in somebody's hands, Father, that was going to lose their house, that didn't have any food, that wasn't going to be able to get to work tomorrow because they couldn't fix their car. Lord, let it still go to Your glory and rebuke the devourer in their life today, God. Draw them to You, Father, and honor Lori's heart today. I ask You to be with us until we come together again. Everybody said in Jesus' name. name. Alright, God bless you. We love you. It's over. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>